Hello, welcome to the UCL News Podcast. I'm Claire. And I'm George. On this week's podcast, we've got UCL PhD student Rebecca McKelvey talking about her pioneering InterScience UK scheme. And we also find out a little bit more about Jean-Jacques Rousseau and the Rousseau 300 exhibition currently on at the UCL Art Museum. We've also got Henry with us in the podcast today to talk about UCL's ever-expanding enterprise activity. Hi. Hey, Henry. Hi. But first, UCL academics from the Department of Crime and Security Science have been taking a look at the cost of policing large events, specifically football matches. UCL PhD student Justin Curland was commissioned by the Association of Chief Police Officers to look at the real cost of policing on match days. He's found that the true cost is much higher than previously estimated as the average number of crimes in the area around the ground increase on match days, uh, football related or otherwise, and he's recommended that clubs pay more to fund extra policing needed. Yep, it'll be interesting to see how policing sport is funded in the future, especially with the Olympics this year. Mm. Perhaps we should get him on the show. We should, yeah. Um, So now we turn to our special guest, Henry, who's going to be telling us about a recent success over at UCL Business. Thanks, Claire. Well, UCL Business, the university's technology transfer office, is working with the UK-based private equity firm MTI, and uh, they'll be launching one of the world's largest funds dedicated to investing in university spin-outs. Right, so can you tell us a bit more about UCL Business? Well, the aim of technology transfer offices like UCL Business is to ensure that cutting-edge research from UCL reaches the wider world and has an impact, so commercialising a new medical technique or drug, for example. And the Orion Fund, which MTI is launching, uh, is looking to raise £150 million. So that's a lot of money potentially available for spin-outs from UCL and other universities too. And so it will go a long way to boosting promising research. And last but not least, we've got some medical news, which is of particular interest to our male listeners. New research from the UCL Department of Epidemiology and Public Health has found that middle-aged men who smoke suffer more rapid cognitive decline than their peers who have never smoked or have been ex-smokers for at least 10 years. Dr Severine Sabia conducted the research using data from subjects who had participated in the Whitehall 2 study, all of whom were employees of the British Civil Service. The study authors are not sure of the mechanism behind male smokers' mental decline, but have suggested that it could stem from vascular or lung damage. So that's all the news for this show, but stay tuned to hear more about my recent trip to a performance by the UCL Music Society that has an unusual connection to the philosopher Rousseau. And we've also been catching up with the progress of a mentoring scheme led by UCL PhD student Rebecca McKelvey, which matches gifted A-level students with scientists from some of the UK's leading universities. My name is Tobia Viola, I'm 17 years old and I'm studying Biology, Psychology, Philosophy and ICT at Cardinal Post School in Hackney. My name is Rebecca McKelvey and I'm a PhD student at UCL. I started a scheme um, called InterScience UK when I was doing my Masters um, in Neuroscience at UCL. And the reason why I started this scheme was because I read a report that was written by the Sutton Trust in 2010. And this report stated that while 96% of students from independent schools progressed university, only 16% of students from deprived schools 
um, do the same. So those students that are in the poorest 10% of our society, only 16% of those go on um, to, do, to do a degree at university. InterScience UK works um, by um, recruiting students who are gifted at science, so they're getting A's and A-stars in their A-levels, um, and providing a two-week science placement for them. During this placement, they do develop their science knowledge and science skills, but it's much more than just a placement scheme. These students are mentored, so the scientists will give them mock interviews, talk to them about their science aspirations, their university aspirations, support them in their UCAS application forms, which is something that they may not necessarily have at, uh, at school or at home. I spoke to my supervisors Martina and Rebecca and I'll be doing an investigation on neuropathic pain and using the spur nerve injury as a model. This year we had 30 um, students placed at UCL and ICH. They've um, improved their oral communication skills, their written co uh, communication skills, um, and it has cemented their interest in science, in science as a whole, and all of them are applying for science research degrees at top universities this year. They've um, participated in a huge variety of um, placements, from neuroscience labs to cell biology labs. They've really enjoyed having the opportunity to speak to real scientists um, and participate in their research. And all of the scientists have actually met up with their students um, after the uh, placements had, had been uh, carried out. And they feel that they have really made a positive impact in the lives of these young people. I've always been hoping to volunteer within the community, but because of time constraints, it's been quite difficult. So I'm a PhD student part-time as well as a full-time research technician. So InterScience UK has been a really good opportunity for me to sort of do this volunteering through my work time. Um, and I can only say positive things about the whole experience. So InterScience UK recruits students from across the London boroughs. Schools very much want their students to participate in um, out-of-classroom activities, but find it very hard to know how to contact scientists at universities. You can really see that this placement is only going to strengthen um, their university applications. Um, and yeah, so in addition to them having a good experience, hopefully, I can only say that I've had a really positive experience as well, and can't wait to do it again next year. It's not just been using materials and pipettes, it's been about meeting new people, giving proper presentations and reading scientific journals. I've learnt a lot of skills and I think the things I've learnt here are going to take me very far in life. Um, I'm hoping that all of our students will, that have been on the scheme will progress on to study a science degree. In terms of the scheme growing as a whole, I hope that this year we'll have many, many more um, supervisors volunteering um, to take on a student and many more students being able to participate in, within the, the science placement schemes. This year my target is to get 55 students placed at UCL and ICH and other a few other universities across London um, to really increase the impact with which scientists can um, have on supporting students from deprived backgrounds.
Welcome to this performance of the Divan du Village. My name is Axel Körner. I'm the director of UCL Center for Transnational History, and UCL celebrates this year the 300th anniversary of Jean-Jacques Rousseau. Um, there is an exhibition going on in the cloisters, which you should see. Um, my name is Avi Lifschitz, and I am uh, a lecturer in European history here at UCL. What we're trying to do in this exhibition uh, is basically to expose the audience to um, the wider aspects of Rousseau's work. Uh, so he was born in Geneva in 1712. This is very important because uh, he had a very, very strong sense of identification with Geneva. So he defines himself in almost all his publications as the citoyen de Genève, so citizen of Geneva. So we are very lucky to have here the first editions of most of his uh, famous publications, for example, uh, The Second Discourse, uh, or as it is originally called, The Discourse on the Origins of Inequality Among Men. Uh, we have here a first edition of The Social Contract. It is very interesting to see how small this book is when you bear in mind huge influence and uh, the demonization that uh, it went through um, uh, throughout the ages. We also have here several items that depict Rousseau's um, other concerns and especially his musical preoccupations. I'm Charles. I'm conducting this evening's performance of Le Devin du Village by Jean-Jacques Rousseau. There was a child's violin book for, you know, young violinists. And there was a melody in there from this piece called Le Devin du Village, which I thought was such a wonderful title. It's one of those things that you remember as a kid, but uh, not perhaps for any other reason than the fascination of how it sounded. But I think what that does say is that such music appearing in a child's violin book speaks very much of the sort of simplicity and kind of immediacy of impact that this music does have. I mean, there's no counterpoint, there's no great learning, but there's tremendous panache and personality. We know Jean-Jacques Rousseau is one of the big names of the history of philosophy. He's on every bibliography in the history of political thought, uh, history of philosophy, and so on. Uh, but we are now trying to basically pull him down from this pedestal on which he uh, has been placed and treat him much more comprehensively and look at many, many different aspects of his work that unfortunately have been uh, neglected or forgotten ever since the 18th century. The story of the Divendi village is quickly told. It's a simple story which is part of the appeal of the opera. The shepherds Colin, the tenor, and Colette, the soprano, are lovers, but Colette has good reasons to suspect that Colin is being unfaithful and indeed he openly flirts with the lady of the manor. This prompts Colette to go and see the village's fortune teller, the baritone, and soon, however, then Colin rediscovers the fortunes of a simple life and returns to Colette. The two are then happily married in the village. This work became a great success. Um, it was first performed at Fontainebleau. When Louis Quinze liked um, the opera, he liked it despite or because it was a work that broke with musical conventions at the time. 